And this is also like the whole every every once in a while this discussion like rears up in some context of of uh, when people are going to the bathroom. Number two. I, I, as soon as you said rears up, I was like, <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> hey, everybody! Welcome to episode three thirteen of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast. Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm standing at a standing desk. I'm Sam, and I got a knot in my back. Yeah, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is May 27th, 2021. Dunk on everyone. And before we get started, we have a warning there's going to be profanity in this show. Uh, and we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Uh, they went over there, and we grabbed their money. That's good. Thanks, for, thanks for that. Uh, all right, you guys, let's talk about life. Now, I want to talk about chairs. Very important subject with the work from home phenomenon. Let's be real. Now, we all live in chairs now. We have we've moved into Wally, you know, the movie Wally, yep. where yep. everybody just lives in a floating chair. Uh, and the chair that you choose, it's very important. It's a mm-hmm. lifelong companion that will determine uh, just what your future is. And you live there now. You live there. It's your house. It's sort you're of like, like a hermit crab. Like, yeah, like a hermit <laughs> crab. Okay. So I've been using a bungee chair for the longest time, and I had some interesting revelations about desks, chairs, and people. You know, along Ooh, the way. Okay, that's a lot What's of. So for, it's a lot of so, elements to unpack. So for starters, I've come to believe that arms on chairs are a scam. Yeah, garbage. Take them 100%. off. Hundred percent. Rip them right off. Okay, they're always really, really high, mm-hmm. so that if you do rest your arms on there, even if you have great posture, you're in this fucked up shrugging position that just destroys your and you can whole never body. get under the desk with it. You know, yep. so yeah, you can't you can't then get close enough to the desk to have good posture because when, when you're typing. Uh, of course, I'm I'm showing Sam and Seth over over the video, but like yeah, my arms, very arms like a goose. Very accurate. Yeah, my, my, arm, my arms are 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 dangling at my because like when you, like your arms just kind of hang, you know, they kind of hang there, mm-hmm. and then they at roughly a ninety degree angle or whatever, they're on your keyboard, right? But if you're pushed back from the desk because the stupid arms are in the way, then you got to reach forward. Then you got to reach right? forward, and now you're basically like yeah. in a mummy pose, you know, while you're yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So one thing I've learned, get those arms off of that chair. If yeah. your chair has arms, get them off of there. That's always the first thing I do is is rip the arms off of my chair before yeah. I before I even sit in it. I just take the arms As, off. So that's what well, I, and, and I I got this because I got this new chair and I was like, it's time. It's time to grow into a new shell. You know, mm-hmm. my new hermit crab life. Uh, how, how did you stay safe while you were moving between chairs? Oh, yeah. That's got to be a quick operation. You don't want one of those like – You got to go fast. Yeah. You got to go that, you got What you want to do is – What you want to do is you want to stay in your one chair while you build the other one. Right. You know? And then you line them up next to each other and you do a quick shift off to the side. That's what actually what helps uh, with removing the arms off both the chairs. So it actually really assists yeah, yeah, in that. So you can much. slide across. Yeah. Well, but the thing is I, I got this new chair and I thought this is a much nicer chair than any chair I've ever had. I'm, and it has fully adjustable arms. And I was like, maybe I can keep the arms because right. maybe they'll actually go down mm. to a level that is, you know, sort Respectable. of accept, that ex- is acceptable for the human body, unlike every other chair I've ever used. And he spent so much money on those arms because, you know, they're a significant portion of the chair. That's true. They are. There's a lot of engineering that went into those arms. They don't sell so an I, armless variant like in the, in the no. chair. Damn. 
all all office chairs must have arms. I don't know why we, this is where we've landed, but this is where we are as a society. We have I think a- some of the really high end ones, uh, the ones that are like a thousand bucks, you know, I think mm-hmm. some of those you can opt out of having arms. Mm-hmm. I think. Right, because it shaves like 100, 150 bucks off. You know, that's like a whole yeah, chair's yeah. worth of arms yep. off of that chair because it's so fancy at that point. Yeah. yeah. So I got the chair put together. I was excited for the adjustable arms because I thought maybe it's time. And I tried to lower the arm. Nope, you can't lower them lower than like the maximum height of most. You can raise them. You can go even higher than then it you know, is extremely uncomfortable or lower them to extremely uncomfortable, but you can't get them. So I ripped them off of there. Good. Okay. Good. But now I also, I also have what I believe they call lumbar support. Ooh, uh, yeah. But I don't know if now my lumbar is going to become in weakened because mm-hmm. now I'm not doing it. I'm not holding myself up. You know, the chair is. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. If you, maybe, maybe you should get one of those those chair balls. I guess it's just a ball. You get one of those balls. It's just a ball. <laughs> and, then, you know, and then half the time you sit on the ball and the other half the time. It's kind of like a standing desk. You know, like half the time you're standing, half the time you're sitting. And now the half the time that you're sitting, split that in half again. Half the time ball sit, the other half the time fancy chair sit. And then mm-hmm. keep that yeah. core strength. So, you know, I feel like chair life is very fraught with uh, with a lot of a lot of, of uh, traps, you know, and yeah. even stuff like like, uh, it, you know, I think desks are also fucked up because desks are too tall. Mm-hmm. Right. Desks are too tall. Chairs are too tall. The arms of chairs are too tall. And I don't think any of these actually fit a person. Like, I don't think there's a person that if they just sat in like a standard height chair, a standard height desk with standard arms. Yep. I don't think there's a, a singular human body that actually fits that. I think there was – I believe like that I believe profile. all of these were invented by the same really tall guy like a six yep, foot four hundreds dude. of years ago. Yeah. With very – with like – with shorter than average arms. Yeah. He, he was but, just oh, weirdly much longer than average. <laughs> taller. Especially, especially, especially than for average the time. Torso. Yeah. Maybe he was like a yeah. model. You know, he had a very long torso. You know, he was like situations. a he was like a sort of a short armed Michael Phelps, you yeah. know, kind of a yeah. This could be maybe, maybe so maybe the situation was actually so so probably this guy didn't invent it right because these things have been around for a long time. But probably what happened was that this weird shaped dude was like, "Fuck, I can't like everything is uncomfortable. Everything around me in my whole life is uncomfortable." Right. So he sat down and he wrote a treatise about because mm. uh, it's like back in the eighteen hundreds in particular, like f- fucking people were writing all these treatises all the time that then. Everybody else was like, "Oh, like this is the one book that I know exists, so this must be the truth, right?" And yeah. like that, nowadays, that's how, we that's how grammar rules work. You know, that's how like yeah. that's how like everything, all the rules that we like, live by today were, were some rando just decided here is the truth and wrote it down in one of the few books. The first right? person to write it down won, basically. Yeah. That was the way it worked. Yeah. So that's probably what happened. It was probably just the first book about chairs. There was a whole theory around it, like that you know, a desk must be this height and a chair must be this height. So that, you know, and like the whole thing. And of course, at that time too, measurement systems were random, you know? Mm-hmm. That's all. So true. maybe this person was completely normally proportioned. But and everything then, just got mixed up because somebody got their stones mixed with their feet. Yeah. Or maybe they were like more of a, depending on kind of which background they had, maybe they're like on the pure, the puritanical side and they were like, you should be very uncomfortable. Work should that's be pain. Work because should be pain. pain cleanses the soul. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it was maybe the that's Spanish what we Inquisition that invented. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. go. Oh, yeah, it's, it's possible that these are just torture devices. You know, They've I've gone co-opted. Yeah, I've seen some of those museums. You walk into the torture exhibit, and there's just like a desk chair. Yeah, and you're like, what? This is there. just a yeah. This is just an office space. 
You know, you know that story about uh, <laughs> you know, you know, the, you know the, and I, I promise this point comes back. So you know the Moscow Mule drink, right? Yes. It's like yeah, it's like a vodka and a what's the word? Mm-hmm. Ginger ginger beer, right? Uh, and it always comes in that weird ass copper mug. At least, mm-hmm. like if if you're doing it right, supposedly, right? Apparently, this was because like back in the twenties or something. Somebody had a fuckload of these copper mugs and no reason – and nobody wanted them, right? So they invented a drink that like was supposed to go in this vessel specifically so that they could sell these mugs, right? And so that's oh, why yeah. – that's today, you know, capitalism. That's why, mm. we, that's why we use those, those mugs, right? So what if? Spanish Inquisition, mm. over, right? Golly, there's torture devices laying around. <laughs> what are you going to do with it? We got to offload it. We need, you know, we got to so, yeah. liquefy some assets. Right. So they invent the modern office. Right? Nobody's going to buy these chairs, yeah. uh, you know, sort of like on purpose, yeah. unless they have some alternative cultural anchor point. Yep. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, workplace is supposed to be unpleasant. It's supposed to be, you're not supposed to enjoy life, period. So let's get these in the home, too, while we're at it. <laughs> and then. Just torture device. Now, now they don't have to because they invested all that money into these torture mm-hmm. devices. You know, like they just had warehouses full of these desks yeah. and chairs. So you know? that's probably what happened. That's 100%. probably what happened. That's probably what happened. I'm no historian, but I, that sounds 100 percent accurate. Yeah, so, I think. Anyways, it, but while we're on the topic, though, because I've I haven't gotten to try this for myself yet because I, I myself do not have a fancy chair. But I've heard that the best thing you can do with a chair, not even like a necessarily fancy variety, but just an office chair with, with uh, you know, casters, little rolling wheels is replace those wheels with rollerblade wheels. I've heard this. Ooh, yes. Supposedly this is just the best thing because they're way smoother. So it's just like a better ride, you know, uh, they go rubber, over. So they, they have tra- instead of plastic because all they have traction. plastic yep. wheels. So they just like make horrible, weird sliding mm-hmm. things. Yep. <laughs> and, they, and they don't damage like any floor type. And then they're taller and they're, and the way that their structure makes it actually easier to get them over things. Cause the, like chairs, the chairs, you can get over like a carpet edge yeah, or right. something. Yeah. And you don't have to like, have a, have a mat and all that kind of stuff, supposedly. So it's this thing. I'm going to be inheriting my, my wife's fancy chair soon because. It's too tall for her, so she's getting a, a different one uh, because, you know, chairs are not the right size for people. Um, mm-hmm. But the first uh-huh. thing I'm going to do is, is put rollerblade wheels, roller wheels on there and see what happens. Can you get like little shocks also and turn it into like a true off-roading chair oh, I don't know. situation? You would want some pretty rigid ones, I would think. And would you get a shock per wheel or would you just get a shock for the like sort of unicycle post mm, thing that's yeah, coming up? Yeah, I think up? All, all of it. Just, just the whole, just thing, the whole sort thing. of wobbly. You want, you want a really good suspension system in your off-roading office chair. I feel because yeah. yeah. you don't want to feel you don't want to feel every like ramp that you go off of. You no, know, you, it should not. be very smooth. So, anyways, uh, so, so chairs, you know, they're they're terrible, and yeah, you know, it's just it's always it's always a journey. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's talk about Jiffy Lube. Okay, so yesterday, driving over to Seth and Sampy's house to have our first ever kind of quarantine break thing, which we'll talk about after this. But on the way there, I was like, oh, my tire light's been on for a little bit. Um, don't really drive the car too much, but this seems like a perfect moment to swing by Jiffy Loop and oh, have yeah. them jiff it up, you know, just whatever that means, just spiff this thing up. Lube it. So this, I think, is one of those stories about how a person who's an expert in something can so thoroughly, like, forget that other people don't understand what is happening because – I go go rolling into the Jiffy Lube. Guy comes over to chat, rolled down my window, and he's like, hey, what do you uh, what do you need? And I was like, all right, very friendly off the bat, feeling a little weird about this already, but it's fine. 
And it's like, I just, uh, you know, got this light on from my tires thing. I've been filling them up. It's not really doing anything. So I'm not sure exactly if you guys can just check it out and tell me what's going on. And he's like, okay, so you're here for our, our top off service. And I was like, is I'm not super sure. Is that what I, is that said? what that is? <laughs> or he was like, top off service. Well, you know, we'll check all your fluids, fill them all up for you, fill up your tires, that sort of thing. And I was like, was it, will that specifically be trying to address this light issue? Cause it doesn't quite sound like that. And he was like, He's like, look, look, you idiot. Yeah, he's like, look, <laughs> did you been filling up these tires? And I was like, yeah, the gas station, like literally across the street. And he's like, okay, listen, if you fill up your tires too much, the light will also come on. And I was like, okay. And he's like, and if you underfill it, it will come on. And I was like, yeah. Okay, I got there's a there's a two psi range in the middle. Yeah, that you've got to just nail. Yeah, and then he's these, like, these are pretty wide. These things are you have to overfill <laughs> the crap out of them. I'm pretty sure. Before. Just, well, so and then he's like, he's like, and you don't feel it based on the pressure listed on the tire, but actually there's a pressure listed on the inside of the door. Yeah, that's true. Now this was a fact I did not know. I don't, you guys, you knew this already? Yeah, I did not know this. So it mixed in with this weird like. I apparently should work there already and know everything about what they're doing. Sort of condescension thing was happening. I really can't believe you didn't know about their top off service. I know. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Uh, I yeah, mean, or that's how one of their top seventeen services? Yeah, or how like a T, well, it's TPMS system works, which is like the tire pressure management. Of course, in a Honda CRV, how do you not know that this light? If you just press and hold this button for two seconds, it'll be yeah, this whole thing. So how do you not know. It was one of those weird experiences where like I learned something, which is useful. But in the context of a very uncomfortable interaction mm-hmm. where the guy – I just felt like he was just talking to me like I was so dumb. And I was like, yeah. I mean, I am dumb, but I don't know why that's a problem. Like I, I'm coming here because I'm dumb. That's like what I'm here yeah. for, my dumbness. And it was just very uh, – That's why this guy gets to have a job is because other people Yeah, because I'm so dumb. No, yeah, they don't know about this stuff, and, and yeah. they just want him to take care of it. You know? Yeah, it's it was yeah. Just one of those, and like, he's not. So instead of him appreciating, like, oh yeah, the reason I'm here is because most people don't know these things. Because instead, you're so dumb. Instead, it's I can't believe people don't know these things. Yeah, that was, the vibe, that was the vibe the whole time. Even like when he was talking about specific mechanical things, which seems yeah. you know more reasonable, but also when he was talking about like very specific service things from Jiffy Lube. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, it does make sense. It does make sense that like, as far as your car's uh, PSI light thing, you know, Mm -hmm. that like it's the car, it's the the car has its own idea of what is an appropriate level of pressure Mm -hmm. that is, that's baked into the the telemetry of the car, not the tires. Like Mm -hmm. now that you say that, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense why that would be the case. But also, it would never have occurred to me because I've been I've been having this like my my tire pressure light comes on all the time. It might be I go, that. I go I go check it. Pressure is perfectly fine according to the, the what the tires say. Right now, ideally, you would be able to just tell your car, "Hey, here's the pressure that my tires are supposed to be," mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of the car just having a fixed. Like, why is there no options panel where I can like turn up the graphics settings of my car and I can turn like, your graphics on tire three? Yeah, yeah, that would be. I think that would. That's well. That's probably too much control. You know. Yeah, that's way too much control. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. You don't want. Well, the, it, it is also tire. weird too, right? Because because that implies though that no matter what kind of tires you have, since you've decoupled the pressure from inside the tire with the tire itself, right? That it gets them get like so. So you're in like you got, got my Ford Focus, right? 
what if I got some off-roading tires on that thing? Mm. Monster truck tires, right? Are those things supposed to still be at 32 PSI in the front? Seems unlikely. Good question. And then if I have them at 32 PSI, does that mean I have to like, at that point, probably disable the onboard computer that like checks the pressure because now it can't possibly know, you know? Mm. What if you got rollerblade wheels in the front? What if I had rollerblade wheels? Don't even have have PSI. (laughs) Don't even have PSI. You should be able to tell your car, like, don't even worry about those. They're They're very smooth. Yeah. Yeah. They give great suspension. I think actually the funny thing here is, is while you're saying you didn't know about like the, the interior car door thing that tells you the pressures, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, for whatever reason, I, I knew that that's where I could get the pressures, you know? And so I don't know if I knew or not that the tire itself has the pressure on it. Like it's mm-hmm. obvious that it should, you know, now that you say that. Uh, but I've literally never looked there because I always knew that I could look in the in the door, you know. <laughs> but I don't remember being taught that like the door is where you get them instead of the tire. I just like at some point was taught or where saw you or whatever that, that that's where the, the that's where pressures are. So I could just like look at that. Well, so, to be fair, yeah. in both cases, this information is completely hidden, and especially on the tire. Because, like, at least if you open the door, that sticker is actually – I was like, that is a very loud sticker. It's like – Oh, yeah. It's like yeah, white. It's, and very, it's like there. It's the tire, fair. of course, like, I mean, it's written in embossed black leather on – or black rubber on black rubber. So it's yeah, like – a harder spot. You got to go. You got to really know what you're you looking know, for. There, it's, is it a kind of interesting that there are this, – there, this reminds me there's so many things in life that everybody just kind of – uh, landed on a certain way of doing it, right? But these are the kinds of things that you almost that other people almost never see you doing, mm. right? Right? Like, you mean like filling when, up tires? What do you mean? Yeah, like if you're if you're checking your tire pressure, um, the only time you do that when somebody else is around you, like a like a significant other or whatever, is like if you are on the side of the road and something mm. has gone wrong. Normally, you, you know, like you'll check that shit when you're on your own, right? So you don't so, get critique. Because, it's not like a yeah. socialized thing then. Yeah, right. It's like yeah, no one has it, seen you be a dummy about how this is, this is This is also like the whole uh, – every, every once in a while this discussion like rears up in some context of of uh, when people are going to the bathroom, number two. I, I, as soon as you said rears up, I was like, <laughs> I know where this is going. Because <laughs> there's, there's two – like there's these like two variables that are apparently like all over the place, like surprisingly equal to population in terms of how they're used. Which are uh, when both both related to wiping. Which first is do you sit or stand or like something in between, right? And the second one is do you wipe front to back or back to front? Which, and the funny thing is, is is that that latter question to me, like the it seems horrifying that the other like the other direction seems horrifying, right? Relative to what I know, which I'm not going to specify, uh, but, <laughs> because yours might be equally horrifying. Yeah, I don't want to other, admit whatever it is. The other faction, uh, but this this idea because like that's the same thing. It's like nobody. Nobody sees you do that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't get a lot of critique. Yeah, nobody sees you doing those two things. And so so then at some point, somebody like just says one of the things that, that you know, like, like as if it's like obvious that that's how that thing works. And then like literally half of all people are like, what? You know, mm-hmm. that's what? It's like, that's literally the, the, that's the wrong way to do it. And, well, it's uh, the it's the aphantasia thing, right? I didn't know that other people had this experience, right? Yeah. Like there are certain experiences that you have that are either so internal or so private. And weirdly, checking tire pressure is a very private thing. <laughs> <laughs> and you never – you would never see – I would never like be in the car with you, Adam, and then you'd be like, oh, shit, hold on. I got to check my tires. And then like you would open your door 
and like look on the inside of the door and I'd be like, what are you looking at the door for? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you said you were going to check the tire pressure, right? Yeah. And then you would say, well, the, the, the requirement's right there. Then I would say, no, it's not. It's on the tires. Mm-hmm. And we would both say, what? <laughs> and then we would Google it and find out whatever the definitive truth is. Right? Yeah. But Which that of course, would never and, happen. And that can't yeah. really be like to me because you're decoupling the thing that holds the air. Right from the thing that knows about how much air is in there, right, and the thing that holds the air can change. This is just a it's just a disaster waiting to happen. It just doesn't you know? seem like it could possibly well, so be the, true. That the PSI lick on your tire is the max amount for that tire. Mm, okay, but that's also not true. Well, I mean, it is. It's the max pressure that you should like have the, the tire max under. safe. The max safe pressure. Well, well yeah, it's the, it's the max that you should, but it's not the max that it can actually handle. Yeah, well, no. Well, I mean, that's not a, that's because, not a, that's not a useful number to have on there because. Uh, then people will shoot for it. Yeah, people will fill it up to explosive yeah. levels, which is horrifying. Yeah. So I don't know. It's uh, this is as a as a, a brief side note about this idea of like people just kind of landing on their own way of doing stuff and never getting like feedback on it or or whatever. Uh, one of the things that I've been doing in our WoW Guild is I started up a little sort of uh, uh, used to like mentorship program. For people who are having kind of like a harder time doing well um, in the in the raids that we do, and like they want to do more damage, they want to do like just do better at at the game. And uh, one of the things, one of the services that I'm providing, it's like it's for I'm just doing it for fun, right? But like one of the things that I'm that I'm doing for people is is a rev- is like they actually screen share and they they play, and mm. I take a look at how they've set up their interface, how they've set up all their key bindings and everything, and it's fascinating because all you ever see in this game is the person's character walking around doing stuff. You never see the insane what buttons HUD. they're hitting. Yep. You never, yeah, you never see like the like if somebody's like, yeah, I just I die all the time, you know. And then it turns out that they've like moved their health bar off to some weird far off corner where they can't fucking see it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, why don't you just like move that, like put that where you can see it, you know? Uh, but but. Because the the focus of feedback that they would get from people is always just on the consequence on of the what outcome, they did, right? Yep. Which is like – so people would just be like, pay more attention and stop dying so much, right? When really there's actually just like an easy structural thing that nobody can see except mm. for the person who needs to Well, this is also – well, and even, you know? even that person can't see it though because they're used to it, right? This, this is yeah. also an allegory yeah. for mental yeah, health, exactly. right? Where it's just like yeah. – like if you've got ADHD and people around you're like, just fucking remember things. Just pay more attention. Mm-hmm. You know, just like stop just making focus. a mess. It just it totally focus. Is. You know, yeah, and and like, interesting. Like yeah. there was a there was somebody who had been just like really, really struggling. Just and, and like the, they they seemed to know a lot about the game and they knew a lot about like what they were supposed to be doing and how to play their character and stuff. And so I go and I look, we have like logs. We have this, it's like the craziest analytics you can imagine for like how in depth you can go to analyze what somebody does on like a given, you know, fight in this game. And it turns out that this, this guy was uh, just like casting spells like 30% less frequently than everybody else. Like he just was doing less. And uh, so, so, th- so then when I watched him play, uh, well, he was clicking at all of his abilities. So he like so instead of having hotkeys for stuff, he had to like use his mouse to find the the button on the interface oh, and yeah. click it, right? Um, and and that was it. Like that was the one thing, right? But nobody knew that that was happening, right? It's an yeah. internal thing that only he can see. And so all the feedback he gets is about how, like you said, Adam, how he needs to try harder, he needs to do better, blah blah blah. But there's this like structural thing happening inside mm-hmm. of his computer 
that if he if if he has a different way of handling that, then suddenly the out, uh, output changes, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So it really is like such a it is such a a mental health allegory. All mm-hmm. these invisible things that are structurally happening on the inside that are changing the output, but all you get feedback on is the output. Yeah, and we're all just it's used wild. to judging the output, you know. So. And you only get judged on the output. Yeah. And and the, and the yeah. the solution you're always presented with is try harder. You know, work mm-hmm. harder. But I think that's why it's so challenging for it's so challenging to get help with any of these basically invisible things, whether it's mental health or even just like yeah, ergonomic support for your own like office chair, whatever the fuck. Because relaying what's happening is not as easy as screen sharing in like yeah. a video game context. Well, right? but also you often don't know, you and know? you don't even know. Yeah, and so you you don't have it because because the guy didn't sit down and say, "Hey, I don't know how to use hotkeys." Right? He didn't know. Yeah, he didn't know. He didn't know to think about hotkeys as a thing. So he didn't realize that 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 could be because he can't see he can't see me using my hotkeys. Like I'm not. I'm not showing him what I'm doing. Or even yeah. if I did, he may not have even like noticed that that was what I was doing. Yeah, yeah he, he wouldn't mm. necessarily map that on. Because he wouldn't be looking for well, it. Well, I think it's the know? same thing with learning, you know. It's like my, my, I've been talking with my wife about this quite a bit because she's gotten more and more interested in, in making robots because uh, I've, been trying to, I've been trying to get her to program for a long time. And it's like everyone's all be like, don't teach programming. Like, <laughs> how, how about now, you know. And, uh, and she just rolls her eyes each time, you know. But because hey, she's the a, first first part of the hero's journey, I have to resist the call. Adam. That's exactly yeah. Right. Resist the call to action. <laughs> she, she's on the she's on the course. Also, um, okay, I was going to say if you if that doesn't work, try growing a longer beard. Ooh, yeah. Because the because the the wizened uh, person who pulls in the hero is supposed yeah, to have yeah. like a really huge. Mm-hmm. White I just got to get older. You yep. got a Gandalf it. Um, but uh, but because we, we were talking about the, the learning process of programming, right? And how uh, just how shitty it is. Yeah. And how many people like you hear about people who are trying to learn programming and, and you see the kind of stuff that you're doing and, and you see all this aspirational stuff too of like people who are just over the first hump telling everybody else like, oh yeah, you just got to stick with it. And, and people are just like trying so hard to kind of help each other, you know, up uh, through all this, through this process. And, uh, but the reason it's hard is because of how it's taught. And not, not only that, it's hard because of what it is, because programming was invented by people, Right. It was just invented by people, and so they came up with all these ideas. That all, that all. Once there's you no obvious them, like, uh, there's no obvious like natural law. No, there isn't. Like, yeah, it's of, like it's, how math works, for example, which right. which was also invented by people, but also it follows an inbuilt intuition, right? Like you take two and you have two more, and now there's four, and like you can do stuff with that in the world. Yeah, but but happen, the, but the leap from that to the to the concept of addition that always works, right? Yeah. Is uh, is enormous and it's not intuitive. It's like it feels like it is now because like we, like it makes sense, right? Right. But right. it actually isn't. And so so you take all of these things that that are not intuitive that are actually tools built by people. Where those people who built those tools were way ahead of where you are right now because they had to derive them conceptually, right? They had to invent these ideas in order to to use a tool that would do something, or because they were struggling to achieve some goal and then they. Realize that if they just did this thing in a certain way, they could do it. Now, here you come, you know, 20 years later, 100 years later, 200 years later, right? And you're not dealing with the problems that they were dealing with. You don't have the background those people were dealing with. Uh, you don't know Latin like all those fuckers did, yeah. right? And so so now here you come and you're trying to figure out, okay. Or Greek. Or Greek or any of these Greek, things, right? Greek so you, letters so, so then you come in and you're like, okay, uh, like I want to learn programming because this, this like seems useful. Everybody's talking about it, right? And you can't quite figure out – Exactly what it's for because nobody can articulate that to you. It's just like 
it just seems like it, it's cool. And like, you're like, Oh, I can make video games with it. I guess I don't know what that means, but like, it's a thing I could do. I can make websites. Well, and you know? Much like, much like art. If you said like, I want to learn art. Well, it's like, okay, digital painting, same. drawing, sculpture. Yeah. Like there, there's a thousand different angles you could take and all of them are, are art. You and they're all going to be, they're going to be useful and more useful in certain contexts and less useful in others. Yep. And depending on what you want to do with it, you may have picked the wrong starting point. You know, but you can't know what starting uh, point to you pick. Can't you, know can't, that. you can't know yeah. what teacher to pick because all the ones you can find are the ones that you are available to you via searching or locally or however you look for people, right? And so you're using really fucking Im- impartial or, or really partial information to search a very limited pool uh, to try to to try to find a, a mechanism by which you can learn something that you don't even know what it is you're trying to learn, actually, because you don't know it yet. And so you don't know how to evaluate whether somebody can teach you, right? And then now you go, like, find something because other people – however it is you find it. Other people talk about it, whatever, right? And then you get there. And, like, then now the teacher doesn't know what you know. They already know the stuff, right? And so since they already know the stuff, then they can't comprehend what it's like to not know it, right? You know what it sounds and like? It just keeps on going. So the, the end result is that, like – it's amazing anybody can learn anything, and it's not surprising at all that it's hard as fuck to learn yeah. stuff. It's so hard, and it's all presented you know as like you just is, gotta Adam. you just gotta study harder, or you just gotta or like this is obvious or whatever, right? But it's all just it's basically an impossible situation. No, there's something missing here. There's, we're missing something as like a society. Okay, we have teachers who know the source material and they give they give you the knowledge, right? But what we're missing is. Uh, the the matchmaking service, like the the person who still knows all the stuff, right? But their whole job is to is to spend a bunch of time with you to figure out what you know and what you don't know, and, and then what you're you trying hooked, to do, and what you're trying to do, and then get you hooked up with the right materials. Yeah. Well, because right? it, like it's, it's not, it's not yeah. their job to teach you the materials; it's their job to find the, I, the identify resource. what your knowledge is and isn't. Yeah, but, but there, there are entities that yeah. kind of like behave as if that's what they're doing, like you to me and other places, right? Um, I would say it's but, what a mentor does generally too. That's what a mentor is, yeah. yeah. But but that's assuming that the mentor, like, because the mentor can know a whole bunch of of that stuff, but they don't necessarily know like all the re- so. As, as an example, so so me as a person definitely with ADHD, and then maybe with a, t- a touch of autism spectrum, um, the way that I need to learn stuff is not the same as the way that mm-hmm. somebody else might, because I I need to be deeply engaged, and I don't care about and can't remember facts. Right, I can't remember just like oh. This is this is the thing. Like this is like just memorize this. As long as you memorize all these things, you're fine. I have to know why. We, we, yeah, we just say you, know? you operate more on uh, logical relationships and connections, and, than- yeah, and and concepts, right? So I need to understand right. why. So when I'm trying to learn something, if you just give me like uh, like let's build it, let's build an app together, and that's what we do. At the end, that I'm like, I didn't learn fucking anything, right? Because what I need is to say like, okay, how does program? What is programming? What is it for? Who invented it? You know, and like, why? What problem were they trying to solve? Because if I can start there, then the whole time I'm engaged, and then by the time I get to finally put my hands on the keyboard to do something, I'm like, yeah, I know what I'm trying to accomplish here, right? And I can see each piece of it in relation to that. Mm-hmm. But that learning style is really boring to lots of other people with different backgrounds or different kinds of brains, right? And yeah. so, because this is what my wife and I were talking about, is because of the way that her brain works, the, all the coursework she takes, she's like, I don't care about this. I don't care about this, right? Like it's so hard to focus. And, uh, and so it's just, yeah, it's just all this stuff is the same problem, which is just really interesting, right? That there's this invisibility of what it is that you need 
to know, what you actually know, how your brain works, the different things that are in your way relative to some other thing, some other piece of knowledge, right? And uh, and we all and you just, don't you don't even know that they're you don't in even the way know because you can't see them and nobody else can see them. Yeah, and we have no because you can only point. see them relative to the knowledge which you don't have yet, and other people who have the knowledge can only see it relative to who you are if they understood and were able to fully put themselves in your shoes with an understanding, which is an incredibly difficult capability that most people don't have. So I still learning just think is about hard. How, how wild <laughs> yeah. it is that I had like I had taken comp sci in college, failed, had written off the idea that I was capable of computer programming. Yeah. And you hear that yeah. constantly from people. They're just like, Oh, I'm just not good at math. Oh, I just like, I'm I tried, tried to program. I just can't do it. Yeah. Well, again, it's, I mean, a, it's it, an assessment it, of the self instead of an assessment based on the structure that was given, which like, to be yeah. fair, like you don't, you can't always just offload all responsibility for, for any shortcomings you have onto like, you know, structural stuff, but actually it's always shared. It's always yeah. shared. And oftentimes you, far more so on the structural side than uh, than on the personal side. I well, you more. might be able to offload almost all, like almost <laughs> I all. I think the large yeah, responsibility, the large because I think about like there was that article called like laziness doesn't exist, mm-hmm. yeah, which sure is an amazing article. Um, definitely, definitely, uh, whoever's listening, just like yeah, just Google that article and check it out. It's it's just a really interesting. Yeah, it's on, it's on Medium. It was really but, popular. Like I think twenty eighteen is when it came out. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the idea that like. Um, that as a person, you would just say like, oh, I hate and am bad at math. I hate and am bad at writing or music or whatever. But there's also a whole bunch of other stuff that you're super passionate about and are good at, right? Which to me says like, you are capable of learning things, getting excited about them and being good at them. Mm -hmm. And what makes like math so different from art? What makes music so different from programming or whatever. Like to me, it doesn't make sense that, that, that you would have like a complete incapability of, of like migrating passions from one thing to another. And it's more of an access point or a structural problem Mm -hmm. where, because like in my case, like I was super, I was getting super interested in like business and finance and stuff. Right. But that only came at the end of my college career after I had changed majors seven times and failed out of computer science I tried like exercise science, marketing. I was just like floating around trying to find something. And the one thing that got me pumped about finance was just this one professor who who I had like every finance course with the same guy in the same semester. Like I had five classes with this one guy who was really, really intense. Uh, and it was just awesome, right? And like the way he talked about stuff, it seemed so applicable and practical mm-hmm. Um, that I could just like see all the interesting use cases of the stuff that he was presenting, right? So it wasn't the case that like finance is boring. Because actually like that's one of those things that people would definitely describe as being like not very interesting. Yeah, right? your, your, classic, your classic example is like, oh, accounting, you know. And, like, accounting. Like when people yeah. need to cite like a boring profession, you know, like that's the one. Yeah, they land it's on like, that. Yeah. Have you seen the complex, interesting problems that accountants have to solve? They're like, it's amazing. We have an we have a tax code that is like mutually contradictory and seven thousand pages long, right? <laughs> and their job is to understand the logical, the complexity of that thing well enough, and your situation well enough that they can like and find a way to keep you from going to jail. Yeah, and right? they also and save also you tons pay as few taxes as possible <laughs> yep. at the same time. Right, yeah. and it's like, and the more they, the more they try to push for those two things to happen at the same time, the more likely it is that they get that they get themselves and you into trouble, right? 
And that's yep. their job. That's amazing. You're like, you're like racing against the government. You know? Yeah. And that's, and that's like the quintessential boarding job. It's pretty right? rebellious it's like, when you get down to it, you know? Yeah. But it's, but it's all about framing. It's all about these structural access points where like, yeah, you know, if you had an accounting professor in college or something who was, you know, kind of like oh, showing, up, showing up in their, well, if like they're showing up in their beige uh, shirts, you know, they're just mm-hmm. like, okay, well, today we're going to open to chapter three and we're going to talk about inventory management, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, obviously that sucks, right? But the doesn't, subject doesn't suck. No, yeah, no, no yeah. subject is boring. Um, it's it's just, a, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, uh, how, did, how did we get here? Oh, yeah, we're talking about Jiffy Lube. Anyways, uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, about our flexible work hours stuff because that's been ongoing. And Sam, I think you had some some thoughts about that. And then we'll have time for like zero one questions. Point yeah. point oh three. We can read a question. Um, well, maybe like a little bit cliffhanger, and we'll answer it next time. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, tr- I'll try to keep it short, <laughs> but it's just uh, it's just sort of reiterating the experience we've had since. Uh, so Adam basically like just tried this flexible schedule thing a few, I guess maybe two months back now. Something like that, and yeah. then had such a good time with it that we were like, "Oh, let's just kind of more broadly, just be like, you know what? Everybody could choose your hours. Just pick like seven hours in the day that, that you're like working. You know, that's kind of what we're asking for. But you know what? Put them basically wherever the fuck you want. We'll do our stand up at nine a.m. But otherwise, like whatever, do whatever yeah. you want. And just otherwise work with people that you need to collaborate and make sure that you know. So don't don't choose a random time and force them to meet you there. You know, but like and, and ideally don't be reasonable. Work yeah, yeah, it's all well. It's about being conscientious, right? But like. Yep. But also with a tremendous amount of flexibility. And so I've been taking one to three offs, but it's sort of like that, that for me, that's always been my kind of, uh, my lull anyways, right? That's where I'm, I get a little bit cloudy. I'm like kind of take, well, basically want to take a nap sort of thing. Um, and that doesn't change with being medicated for, for ADHD either. Like it's just, it's not like that's that. It's just, it's just your rhythm. Yeah. It's just my rhythm. And so, uh, my wife and I've also been taking care of a lot of this, like out the, outside the house stuff, cleaning up the yard, like a bunch of that sort of usual spring, summertime stuff. And I got to say, like the the flexible schedule that allows you to then switch from like intense sort of working, creating, talking to people mode to just like manual brute force for like 45 minutes. And then it's still enough time to go take a shower, get cleaned up and like, you know, maybe even like read a bit or play like a short, uh, short match of a game or something like that. And then pop back into work. I've been like easily, easily from both a mental standpoint handling all of this stuff that previously was always trying to be shoved into like that, like very uncomfortably into that like 5 to 10 p.m. block where I was like, I'm already mm-hmm. like done. I don't want to do any of this. And now yeah, it's and just you're, like, and you're like making errors and you're just like yep. just doing random stuff to distract yourself that you don't need to be doing. It doesn't yeah. actually help. And instead now I'm doing that sort of like it's somehow it ends up being a restorative thing that supports the uh, the creative endeavor on like sort of this you know general life stuff uh, or work stuff uh, in this context. And isn't tiring in the same kind of way that it was before. And again, a structural thing. Why is it that maybe you hate doing this uh, this yard work thing? Is it because you hate yard work or is it because it always happens after a full day of work or on the weekend when you have like 36 hours of like not having to worry about stuff and now now you actually just have a thing that blocks out like a huge mm-hmm. chunk of it, you know? Um, well, there are, you know, there are people who really enjoy gardening, really enjoy doing that kind of stuff, Right. And so again, it's like is Why? the is the activity fundamentally unenjoyable, or have you landed in a in a structural scenario that just makes it suck? Yes, every time. Yeah, you but do also it. The, the people who are really into it, um, and you know, it's sort of a, it's a there's a you know 
cause effect problem here. Right. But the people who are really into it. Like you tend to, cause like our, our dad's a good example. Yeah. Uh, he's like in the garden every day. He gets home from work, just does some stuff in the, in the garden. Right. Um, and he just, and he just kind of always has, right. Uh, the people who hate it or at least find it like aggravating and try to put it off. Right. Uh, like me, it's like, okay, whatever I can get away with. So it's like, at some point, I'll look outside and be like, oh, God, that place is fucked, right? And so – Basically, large batch delivery. Large batch delivery. Yep. So, then I, so then I get out there on, and it's going to be like, okay, well, I need a large batch of time where it's not going to cook me alive, right? So it's going to be like so Saturday morning probably. So, mm-hmm. like, so then on Saturday morning, which is usually now, I'm just like, such a slow morning, you know? I just like get up. I just want to relax, man. Just uh. have some coffee, relax. You know, now, now I'm looking at the clock and saying, I'm like, oh, God, it's going to start getting hot. Right. It's so like now my, now my morning is starting to get fucked up. And then finally I'm like, okay, fine. I'll go outside and I go, you know, start, start doing it. But I'm out there for like four hours. You know, I come inside. It's now been hot for most of those four hours. So like now I need a nap. Got to get, now, now I got to, anyway, got to, got to shower and get ready for the day, but it's like noon or two. And, and so you're tired, man. It's almost as if it's not that you hate gardening, but you hate being really hot, sweaty, and tired for four hours at a time. On mm. on on a morning when I'm supposed to just be like lazy about on what's supposed to be. Yeah, that's a morning. funny one. Yeah, yeah, if you if you remove the name of the activity from the thing that you dislike, what does it sound like? You know, what's mm-hmm. the context that you're being baked in yeah. with that? Right? Because that might be a good way to kind of diagnose where there's more of a structural thing happening than a non-structural one. So, anyways, mm-hmm. that was. That's the sort of yard work and uh, flexible schedule story that I had on my side. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think when you can kind of extrapolate this beyond just the idea of like of taking taking breaks in a flexible schedule and more just about um, whatever it is that you're doing, even if it is something that you enjoy doing, can become more or less enjoyable depending on the framing of the time. So mm-hmm. I think one interesting thing, thing that's happened this week is uh, we were working on doing some some updates to the existing games and just trying to you know we're trying to keep them maintained, keep them from crashing, you know all that all that good stuff. Um, and one of the things that we found is that we have a few kind of like outstanding issues with our file management system, which straddles all of our games. And it's a really important system, especially for consoles, which have a bunch of rules about how you can handle saving and loading of files. And so, um, so I've, ta- I've been taking some time this week to, to update that thing. Uh, and it's honestly been really cathartic for me because this thing has just kind of been like spitting out random problems for us that are kind of like, we always have to look into them and we always have to ask like, is this really a, like, is this a big problem? Is this going to cause players to lose data or is it a red herring? Is it actually fine? But we keep having to kind of just look at it, you know? And so it's been really great for me to be able to go in and just do work on this thing, just really like rip its guts out, just rebuild it to be really robust and strong and more reliable. But at the same time, I, I want to be working on Crashlands 2, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that like this thing goes into Crashlands 2, like it's part of the, the Crashlands 2 game system, right? And so in a tangential way, I am working on Crashlands 2, but also I'm just refactoring a thing that already existed. So mm-hmm. I'm not adding something, I'm just sort of fixing something. Um, but because of the the framing of it, which is which is that like we didn't specifically say, okay, you know what, like every Wednesday is like refactoring and maintenance and fixing all of your your shit kind of a, kind of a day. Um, then any time that goes into some kind of big maintenance overhaul, 
emotionally is going to feel like mm-hmm. I need to just get it done so I can get back to the real work, you know? And so it is kind of harder to enjoy that work as, as fun as it is. And as much as I am excited about the outcome of having something that's just much better in the end, um, it still feels weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think this is, is the that- challenge of like, I think on a, from a management standpoint, when you're looking at stuff like tech debt to burn down, which essentially this is. Uh, it is. Yeah. Yeah, figuring out a way to frame it not just to yourself, but also to the rest of your team with regards to essentially what that what that story is that's exciting about it. Like why is, you know, why is this actually a very exciting thing to work on? And then and then, you know, prioritizing those things over adding new features in because it's a it's actually a more exciting story. It's a more exciting addition to the game, even if it's a yeah, a refactor or like an edit of a thing you know, from previously. I think that's, that's really the challenge in there. And I think people kind of lack the, you lack the tools to be able to like talk about, to be able to talk about that in a way that, cause it's so easy to just get in the weeds about like why it's such a, you know, why it's such an issue or even like the interesting solve as opposed to being able to say really high level and say, and basically saying like being able to solve this problem, both, both like sets the stage for Crescent 2's entire save system. Uh, and at the same time, will robustly refactor and improve all of our previous games such that managing everything downstream from them is going to be easier, which means we'll have even more time for Crash 2 stuff yeah. in the future, right? Yeah. But it's so yeah, hard well, to have it, that as opposed well, to think, just like well, fix the, it. Right? Yeah, but the hard part is you know, all, all the framing is about sort of like we're going to be fixing fewer bugs. We're going to It's going to be easier to maintain. All of our existing games will generate you know fewer problems, and it's going to be easier to do file operations on all of our future games, right? But those are all those are all sort of like time and effort, uh, like features, as opposed to like we have this cool new explosion effect in, mm, in the right, game. Right. Look how cool it is, right? And I think that's the hard part is like a lot of the a lot of the important work, and even thinking about like um, the idea of like weeding your garden. You haven't planted anything, right? And like mm-hmm. it kind of just over time became progressively more of an eyesore until eventually you spent four hours on a Saturday getting sweaty. You know, and and ripping all the weeds out, um, which is definitely an improvement, but it's it's more of a reset, right? Like you haven't mm. structurally made your garden way better; you just gotten it back to what you would now once again consider to be like a fine state. You yeah, well, I mean? I think it's which is the, a much harder pitch. I yeah, feel. It's the difference is focusing on the the developer experience just as much as the user experience, right? Which is which yeah. is becoming like all, it actually is becoming all the rage uh, in recently in in the sort of the mm. the tech industry, the part that moves really fast. You know, is uh, is there people actually whose jobs now are just like they call it DX developer experience, right? Uh, whose jobs are just like to make sure that's really good, you know. And, it should uh, be fun and easy to work on the the product. Yeah, and if you, know? if you think about it, is that yeah. is that is that the product in development? The product has has a bunch of audiences, right? But the two main ones are the person who will experience it, your user, right? Where you get UX, and then the person who's making it, or the people who are making it, which is your DX, right? And so if you think about these things as like, okay, yeah, like developer experience is really important. You just decide that that's true. Then now all of a sudden it's really easy to say, okay, well. The existence of this janky system that throws chaos into the into the system periodically that then makes it so, so suddenly at random there's now an issue that we have to go deal with right or so that now every time you work on the save system you're a little concerned about and kind of confused and kind of confused <laughs> right uh, and you're never quite sure you can trust it and and that's your experience using that system right so you're just kind of always afraid 
then, you know, that's not a good developer experience to but have. Think about how wild this is, though, that like that the idea of designing for a good experience for your developers is sort of like – Is new. Yeah, it's a new thing. Or, or mm-hmm. so you know, think about you know, a company like uh, like Microsoft. You know, they've got like eighty thousand people. They have a huge campus, right? And that um, that there wouldn't be like an entire division of that company that that is dedicated toward, for example, like the EX. You know, the employee experience, like. It and, there, and there might be. I have no like. Yeah, I don't know what goes on over there, right? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna call the skeptical on that. Um, but but <laughs> yeah, this like, would be like as, your onboarding and management and HR, like how all mm-hmm. that stuff is put together. Yeah, it would be your employee experience. Yeah, because like, I mean, I, the reason I say I'm skeptical is because every time I have logged in to any Microsoft product, I am absolutely confused as yeah, fuck. It is because, a very confusing experience. Because over the years they've acquired so many companies and then like integrated those login systems into their own login system, but somehow kept them separate. I am just mm-hmm. I'm just I'm, I'm in a maze, you know? <laughs> um and this is as like a tech person. Yeah. You know, like I have a hard time. And the downstream consumer stuff. whose experience presumably is is where most of the investment is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would I would be skeptical that there would be like an internal division of the company whose whole job is to is to identify uh, bad experiences that any employee might have, whether it's like scheduling, whether it's calendars, uh, meetings, whether it's getting good feedback on stuff, knowing what they're doing, or just just questions like how much of this person's time gets derailed by random unplanned things. You know, like downstream bugs. You well, know, I mean, there's like a, that. there's a study that came out last month or something like that where you know the Microsoft study where they were like, oh yeah, back to back Zoom meetings are really bad for people, and it's like you didn't have to do a study yeah. to figure <laughs> that out. You could just, just like you could, you could just be a person, be a person. <laughs> and I, but I think this is what it is. I, th- I think I, I it seems like people are slowly coming around. By people in mean businesses slowly coming around to the idea that like contorting people around into a systems. really weird shape around like a system. Yeah, is, right. You like you take you, you take a system and you're like, this is inflexible, and then you fucking jam people into it. They're, they're like bleeding and their arms are flying off, right? Yep. And you're like, no, no. But the sanctity of the system that we spent a lot of money on this system, yeah. so don't touch it. Leave it alone. It just or even just the is. structures, right? Even just work yeah. structure, like the flex the, the work hours that you work, all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. It seems that people are, and I think the remote work thing from the pandemic is what caused a lot of this to kick off in the more more on the mainstream side. But like, it feels like people are some larger portion of the population is, is kind of coming around to the idea that like building a system that works for actual people mm-hmm. to work who, who well. differ from one another who are different yeah and are, and are not robots which are the two the two facts that people in business really seem to forget about They're yeah like, like I, this person's resume like has the same title so i can just fire this one and put so, this one like yep. right that's fine right i can just do that you could do like back-to-back zoom meetings for like 10 hours right yeah you never get tired they're not, they're not overlapping, infinite. so what's the problem? Yeah, <laughs> and, of, and of course, like you would never do that with with meetings. So why would you start doing it with Zoom? Meet? Like, what is it about yep. having the word Zoom in front of it that suddenly changes the the, the framing? Well, of it? it probably is part of the danger there. Actually, of, of the remote work is uh, is it gets easier to think of people as robots because they're interacting through. Ro- you know, robot you just emails right? and, and texts, and, and and yeah. And you're just like, oh, it's a Zoom call, so like a robot turns it on, right? And like it gets scheduled by a robot and all this kind of stuff. And just like with any algorithm, like algorithms are designed by people, robots are made by people. And if if the people who make it aren't thinking about people when they do it, and they're just thinking about the like, oh yeah, we need to be able to set meetings. Like, what does it mean to have a meeting? Like, okay, well, it has a start and, and a finish. 
And, uh, and typically people think of them as like a half hour, an hour. So boom, there's our meeting system. And they don't think about the next thing of like, okay, well, what if somebody has two meetings mm-hmm. and they're a person, right? And now they need to get from one to the next. Wait, wait, what if our customers are people? Yeah. What if they're people though? Wait, what if our employees are actually people? Like, oh, fuck. You but know, it's, it's, like, like, uh, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, why it's, is it's, that wild, it's wild to me that, that as a, as a, especially like as a large company that has a large number of employees, which also means Let's say you've got a thousand employees, you know, how many, how many of them are going to leave this year and how many are you going to hire this year? You know, quite a bit probably, Mm -hmm. right? Even if it's like, even if you have low turnover and you have like out of a thousand people, you know, 50 of them leaving this year and 50 of them coming in. That's a lot of, that's a lot, that's a lot of institutional knowledge that's leaving your company. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of time that you have to spend uh, training up new people, right? And so, so the idea that, that, and, and I mean, like talk, talk talk to any any person who works in a company of that size or larger, and they can they could write you a, a, a treat treatise tre- mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> about the number of just absolutely mind bogglingly horrible experiences that they have to go through yep. to just do simple things at their job, and that somehow internally at the company it is just not at all a priority to make it easy and and good. fun and good to be there you know like do better it you seems know? like such an it seems like such an easy win like if you if you're trying to if if your whole job is like to design good experiences for your customers and provide a good product for your customers like why why can't you take that same mindset toward the people who make the experiences for the customers mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think miserable employees make good experiences for for a customer, I think it's probably harder for yeah. them to do that. You know? yeah. uh, so anyways, yeah, do better. Mm-hmm. Do better, everybody. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, so we will we will go uh, go hard on the questions next week. Yep. I think that's a fair. We're getting into a rhythm here, you know, just a, a, a day of bloviating and a day of questions <laughs> uh, just week by week. So, I will. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.